0: One point nine high
1: FM, 101.9 high 101.9. 101.9. FM, it is high 101.9.
0: 101.9. FM, high FM, high FM, high high FM, high
1: FM,
0: Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human, and my guest today is Philip Veyers, General Smuts' great-grandson. If my voice is sounding a bit hoarse, I have had a bit of bronchitis, but I am determined to do the show today. So please just put up with a bit of breathlessness from me. But anyway, Philip's going to do most of the talking. You can WhatsApp us on 62 Two three seven four, or you can SMS us on three four five one nine. We would love to hear from you. Now, um, Philip, I know that you and I both want to, especially, say hello to our Israeli <laughs> listeners today. What, uh, thank you so morning, much sir. for coming here on the show, Kaz.
1: That's wonderful to be here, Kaz. Thank you so much, <laughs> and and yes, um, if I, I sincerely hope they're listening, but to Peter and Jeannie Bailey and uh, Joel and Beryl Klotnick and uh, Rob and Jill Hyde, Eric Glick and of course my cousins, uh, Shira and and Jordan. Um, good morning to you all.
0: And good morning to you, Philip. It's so good to have you here in South Africa at our studio. And, um, you know, I was just thinking how uh, unbelievable coincidences are. And I found this quote Paradise has never been about places. It exists in moments, in connections, in flashes across time. Wonderful. And I think that was very much what happened, wasn't it, in, in Israel. I know that um, I sent a message to Peter Bailey uh, to say that I'd heard about the, the Telfed organization, to Teol, the Teol. And uh, I asked for your your number, he sent me your number, and so evolved this whole thing. And I'll never forget your first email, I think you said to me, now just tell me, um, how how do you come to be from Smuts and Webster to um, High FM?
1: <laughs> I, I remember that very well. It was, a, it was almost like it was, it was predestined, the, the, the whole sequence of events that was followed with Shira picking up um, Peter's... Um, um, website picking up on the website about the yield to Ramat Yochanan, and how it will develop from there. And um, this is just actually quite extraordinary that uh, here I pick up. Um, I'm, I'm not particularly worried about the the. Uh, distance in in terms of cousins if you if you're related to me even if it's by four marriages you're still my cousin so
0: are <laughs> Familia. Eh? absolutely <laughs> you are my cousin definitely
1: <laughs> so that was wonderful it just it just was almost like it was predestined and yes. uh, um Providence.
0: Now how did you come to be invited by by Peter to go to actually go over? It was for the centenary of the Belfraw Declaration, is that right?
1: So you, the way it all started was um I've known Peter Bailey for probably really close to twenty five years. Hmm. Um long before um uh, he made a and was still a residence in Joburg. And um, he then approached me. We hadn't heard from one another for, oh, some years. And out of the blue, I got um, a WhatsApp call from him, which I actually couldn't believe. And he said, listen, would you be interested? The Centenary of the Balfour Declaration is coming up in November. Would you be interested, if it's possible, um, to come and visit Israel and uh, possibly do one or two talks about the o um, The o obviously being Jan smuts." From talk to music, from Johannesburg to Israel, from sport to business, this is 101.9 High FM.
0: Hello, this is Sue Jackson, back with Philip Veyers on Finding Human. And we are, Philip was telling us how he came to be invited by Peter Bailey to go to Israel. So, so Philip, just tell us, so General Smuts was involved in the B- Balfour Declaration, is that right?
1: Very much so, Sue. It's something that's not particularly well known or particularly well acknowledged in South Africa, oh, probably in the world, in fact, Um Something that Peter did know, though, is that at the time of the Balfour Declaration, the Obos uh, was very involved in terms of being a conduit, if I could put it that way, between Chaim Weizmann and the Imperial War Cabinet, of which the Obos was a very esteemed member. And what transpired was that he got very involved with um, the wording of the of the Balfour Declaration, pushing it through. And of course, then <coughs> once the, the, the Balfour Declaration was just that, it was a declaration of intent, nothing more than that. And what then transpired was that, whenever the Arabs got a little excited, um, the British got cold feet and tried to restrict uh, immigration to Palestine. And the Obas intervened on a number of occasions to um, to get the the British to uh, keep their promise. And it gets it goes a little further because the. Um, the League of Nations, which came about after the First World War, was in, for all intents and purposes, uh, a creation of the Obas. It was a concept of the Obas, which Woodrow Wilson subscribed to. And it then became a case of how to get um, Israel or Palestine, as it was then, accessible for the, the Jewish homeland. And um, the uh, at the end of the First World War, the Obas, created by the Smith's resolution in the, at the San Remo conference, um, the mandate system, and Britain was given the mandate for Palestine, mm. which then made it a lot more easy. Uh, but the Obosk continued after that, in terms of keeping the British on the straight and narrow, because they tried to deviate on a number of occasions, despite what they might want to tell you. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and Peter was aware of this, so Peter said, "Would you be available to come uh, to come across if it, if we can make it uh, put it all together?" And I said, "Most certainly, I would. It'd be fascinating." And there was then a case of Peter getting together with his two-year group, which was uh, Peter, obviously, uh, Joel Klotnik, um, Rob Hyde, and Eric Glick. And they then got support from Telford, uh, from Batia, and Doron, and um, also the Centenary Belfast Centenary uh, Committee with uh, Dr. Alan Weber. And it all came together. And, and uh, you were on the plane. I was on the antiquated aircraft. <laughs> just
0: before we go on to the antiquated air, aircraft LL, I just wanted to ask, say to uh, to whoever is is uh, listening to us today. Uh, Philip will be talking about the obos a lot, and so will I. And the obos is what he was affectionately known as. General Smuts was always known as the obos within our family, within your family, uh, and within the nation, really, as the obos, which was a sign of respect. The 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 gentle the old man is that right?
1: Absolutely. I it's a literal translation uh, in Dutch would be old master, but no. I, I've, I'm not sure that that's politically correct so um i've <laughs> i've done the translation across to the patriarch is probably as good a description okay uh, so he was any. the patriarch he is the patriarch yeah absolutely <laughs>
0: okay now just going back for a moment to our antiquated aircraft i actually ended up meeting you at the airport which was also quite a coincidence that we were on the same plane Absolutely. we only knew about it two days before and um and you took hours to come through and eventually a very exhausted looking Philip came through and said I'm Philip are you Sue and and I asked you why it had taken so long what had happened
1: I obviously have a suspicious looking face (laughs) because um, I was interrogated Um, not only me I wasn't singled out by any stretch of of the imagination at all Um, and I understand it completely and um, the one guy in the queue we stand for an hour without moving at all. I said to me, um, you know, how do you feel about this going to Israel and all this all the security? I said, well, if they're going to get my sorry tail in to David Ben-Gurion safely, I'm happy about it. So <laughs> I had no problem. No, but it, it really was a rigorous, very rigorous interrogation it at was. all. It was. And I understand completely. I have an absolutely no problem with that at all. You know, so if if 85% of the world's population are ambivalent about you, 10% don't like you, and 5% want to wipe you out – Um I have great sympathy for that And, um, I and you're prepared completely. to
0: stand in a queue oh, for absolutely.
1: that Oh without a doubt
0: Well thank you for that support uh, I have been told that actually we're going to be getting a new LL aircraft eventually So I hope so So now let's just go back to some of your itinerary How did your itinerary start? I know that uh, uh, Peter met you at the airport And then from there what happened?
1: When I went off to um, Peter and uh, and Jeannie's residence in Hod um and they kept me on the go for ten days, non-stop, which is absolutely <laughs> fantastic. And I'm so incredibly grateful to them and to Joel and to Rob um, just for all that they did for me and the, and the way they all that they laid on for me. Um, and
0: Jeannie certainly never made she made sure you were never hungry.
1: Jeannie. I am I'm battling to to sort of like recover. Um she I was not allowed to do anything. If I took a place through to the kitchen, um, I was moaned at <laughs> in the nicest possible way. Um and I'm so used to doing that at home, so um I was pampered. I really, really was pampered and I'm extremely grateful to uh, to, to her and to Peter for being such Extremely gracious and generous host. It really was fantastic.
0: And then you had the teal, but that was not the first thing you went on, was it?
1: No, the first uh, the first function I attended where I did a talk was at the Ranana Lunch Club, um, which is basically just a talk about, about the Obas, who he was and where he came from. Um,
0: and who attended that?
1: I would say, um, thinking about it, the uh, what I would call Saffir's. Um, South Africans in Renana um, and uh, and in the uh, whole area under the shul, um, which was uh, very interesting and delightful people. And and this is something I need to just point out. It's something which struck me. Um, South Africans are, in my experience, fairly gregarious sort of people. Um, if you walk past one on a pavement, or you know, you'll likely raise a hand or say How's it, or something like that. <laughs> um, Israelis are not like that; they're not as gregarious and as, as forthcoming with greetings. And if you if you do greet somebody um, unbidden, um, they're likely to look at you like you've dropped out of some cloud from somewhere.
0: But suspicious, I guess. But suspicious,
1: like who are you? Uh. The, the, the South African um, Israelis. Um, are just are they, they Joe Berg all the way through? Mm.
0: They've taken the South African Absolutely. spirit and warmth with yeah, them. Well,
1: within 30 seconds, it's uh, the greeting, the typical greeting is Hazard, <laughs> and within 10 or 15 seconds, Yah, you know. So, and they are the most, the warmest, most oncoming, uh, gracious people you could possibly wish to meet. They really as a community. Mm. Were a total revelation to me. I think they're absolutely fantastic.
0: Amazing how they all pull together, isn't it? There's connections they all have with one another and across the world.
1: Well, you know, one of the one of the spin-offs um, which fascinated me totally was when I would be talking to one person, somebody else would come along, and um, and suddenly there'd be a whole load of connections um, from people living in Israel, South Africans, who didn't know. The other person probably particularly well that met, but everybody's connected. Everybody knows so and so or their son is their doctor or you know it's just it's it's a huge jigsaw puzzle which i find absolutely fascinating
0: it is fascinating i must admit and i i personally made so many connections and i'm i'm going to have a program on synchronicity and destiny because i think that's exactly what a trip like this does show you that there are connections that go on throughout the world you don't have to be with with each other all the time to actually have them now tell me about your visit to oh no just going back one moment to you saying that about the israelis you found that the israelis in tel aviv were friendlier
1: yes they were
0: in what way they were not as suspicious of you
1: um i think maybe because it's a far more cosmopolitan uh, society
0: the best part of your day at the heart of your community. All the talk, all the music, all the news. Hi everyone. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human. There was actually Rabbi Twersky you were about to hear, but he's for another program. Um I just muddled poor Craig up a bit there. Please WhatsApp us on O six two one four eight. Two three seven four, or SMS us on three four five one nine. My guest today is Philip veyer's great grandson of General Smuts, and we are talking about his uh, his trip to Israel. Now you were saying that in Tel Aviv they're far more cosmopolitan, and that's true. They that's very much a mixed city as well. Oh,
1: very much. so uh, I was told that it's a mini New York, and um, I've never been to New York, but uh, it would seem to fit. Um, <clears throat> they they are more they are more friendly um, maybe it's the exposure to these uh, the sheer numbers of people that they get that are strange or strangers to them certainly um on the bus going there the bus driver when um he was very dirt when you got on uh Peter and I and um only sort of like approaching um Tel Aviv uh, he said to me, "Where are you from?" <laughs> so I said, "I'm from South Africa ah Ah. He then proceeded to point out every single f- notable feature of Tel Aviv on the way in. He was a friend of mine for life.
0: Is it? And so that's wonderful.
1: That was a r- absolutely great. And the other folks on the bus all greeted me when they left. <laughs> I, you know, I never had that in, in Renan or Hidal Sharon. It was, um, only it's different societies. The, yes, you know, they the, the different way they work. Um, and what they're exposed to.
0: Well, I had a very irritating experience with one of the taxi drivers. I was saying goodbye to Shira and I was catching a taxi to the airport and she and I were both having a good ball cry there and I uh, got into the taxi and before I was out of Renan, I was so irritated that I'd forgotten to cry because this, <laughs> we'll call him Chaim, Chaim was sniffing and snorting and clearing his throat, perhaps that's where I got this from actually, the whole way, and I kept thinking he was going to roll his window down and spit out, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> before I was out of Renan, I'd forgotten to cry, which was a good thing, but um Philip, just take us to your trip to um, Ramat uh, Yohanan. You've, you actually call it something else.
1: Well, it's, uh, Ramat Yohanan. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um,
1: with my second name being Yan, and Yohanan being Yan or John in Hebrew, um, I've now decided that when I'm north of the equator, uh, my second name will be Yohanan rather than Yan as well. Um, <laughs> See, this is a um, uh, peter uh, Joel Rob and eric teal um and of course i i'd known about it, it was something to be proud of um, and i'd been i have been told about it by my father and uh, tell us a life. bit about it well it is the most extraordinary place. Um, was
0: it named for your brand? It was named father?
1: for the Obas. It started off, uh, Peter explained to me, as Ramat Yochanan Smuts, which then became Smuts um, and means dirt. <laughs> so they took away the Smuts part, and, which is why we left with uh, Ramat Yohanan. Um and, and quite the most extraordinary place, terribly commercial um, and absolutely fascinating, where... For example, this uh, the third, as we've discussed, you and I, the third biggest um, PVC uh, polycarp company in the world, Palmer, belongs to them. It's a kibbutz business.
0: Totally That's amazing. massive.
1: But where it really gets fascinating to me is that the chief executive who lives on the kibbutz will be paid a salary of, let's say, $100,000 a month um, by Palmer to, to run the company, which he does obviously very competently. But that money is paid to the kibbutz, not to him. And he gets the same allowance of 3,600 shekels as every other single kibbutz member.
0: So someone picking um, oranges will be getting the exactly. same as he gets according exactly. to their needs. Yeah. It's
1: amazing. I, I, I think that's quite extraordinary. You've got, you have to be totally um, devoid of material ambition. Um, you, you don't even have your own car. You have, you know, you've got, um, your house isn't yours. Um
0: You've got to be an absolute idealist and believe in the dream, don't you?
1: Absolutely. Mm. But the the, the quid pro quo, obviously, is that your children are educated, um, you have a home, um, your allowance will allow you to be clothed. um, uh, There's a whole fleet of vehicles you can use. um, You will never go hungry. uh, You will never need a pension. Um and they so
0: looked after
1: for there there's there must now, be a lot of comfort in that
0: no I know there was comfort in that, and also uh, you did feel that you perhaps had a stake in it, did you
1: <laughs> well, see i discovered um I discovered that my family had many years ago um made a cash contribution to uh, to the kibbutz, and I thought well not being Jewish presents certain problems in terms of going to uh, making a liar myself, you see. But if I were to go to the kibbutz and say, just how much money did my family give you? And then we, what we do is we apply um, uh, an equation and, uh, and add um, inflation at South African rates, not Israeli. Yes. Um, at South African rates and see what it's worth now and saying, well, okay, guys, that's what I'm worth as an asset to you. Would you be prepared to bend the rules a little bit?
0: (laughs) And give you a house. Give me a house and a pension. (laughs) And look after my family. And look
1: after my family and and me. (laughs) And and become one of the cousins. Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Now, Philip, just tell me, you also had, you gave a talk there, which I attended, and it was very well received. It was fantastic. And quite a few people asked questions of you afterwards. Um, there were a few questions that, that you actually found quite surprising, weren't there?
1: The the question that surprised me, and it, it came up more than once, and uh, it actually shocked me the first time I heard it, was the, not the allegation even, the, the, the mention of the possibility that the Obas was an anti-Semite. Um, when Joel heard this, he took very distinct umbrage and said, if you don't correct that, I will. Mm-hmm. And, I, and so I, I, I attempted to refute that every time I spoke to anybody afterwards. Um, and in fact, in, at, at that particular talk at uh, Ramat Yohanan, um Joel, I actually neglected to mention that, and Joel did, he, he brought it up. Um, and it, I, I have never in all my many, many years ever heard of such a suggestion um, totally devoid of any factual basis at all
0: and it and it you were asked it quite a few times weren't you
1: it came up on on a couple of occasions mm. um
0: I would like to just add something here. I've given you papers here from Bernard Katz, a friend of mine, who's also a great admirer of General Smuts and has got a lot of memorabilia from him. And he actually did a, made an auction on this original article, which was by, given by General Smuts, as, and it was an address to the South African Jewish community, November 1919. And um, it actually said the Jews of South Africa owe very much to Jews, General Smuts, he was a great man with a great heart. Believe me that in the days gone by, no man has ever done more for the Jews. And then he went on to say that. And then in his biography, Smuts's biography by Hancock, he writes that um, when when Smuts was offered to go to Palestine, uh, he the ideal appealed to him greatly, but he dropped it. But he also, he said that he was He was really very, very disappointed about him I just want to mention one other thing for people to actually know about Smuts' attitude towards the Jewish people was formed by his Calvinist Afrikaner background And the Afrikaner's initial positive view of the Jews based on the Old Testament This is what he said I do not think there is any record in the whole history of the human race which compares to that of the Jewish people. You have not been absorbed. You have not been merged. You have not lost your identity. But through all tribulations and persecutions, through all the vicissitudes of human history, you have survived. You have survived. And the day will come when the words of the prophets will become true and Israel will, t- will return to its land, and this was given loud, loud cheers. Fantastic! By, in, that was in 1919.
1: And you think you actually yeah. got <coughs> actually got it right? Excuse me, in 1948. <coughs> but see, the, there are so many examples. Uh, the Ochberg orphans, for one, the Obas paid pound for pound uh, for the the, the um, patriation of of the Ochberg Oth- Oth- Jews, uh, Jewish uh, orphans, to South Africa. Um, He also said to, uh, at the time Bring as many as you can And the restriction was not the OBAS, Not the government uh, Nor money Actually the restriction was accommodation And facilities in which to house them But as I mentioned to you earlier had there been any hint of anti-Semitism within the Obas, it would have carried down to his daughter, for sure, um, his oldest daughter, um, my grandmother, which would have drifted down to my father and would have drifted down to me. Mm. I would have been aware of it. My father would have had said something um, that would have, have indicated that to me. He never did, not in all the 55 years or 50-odd years that I knew my dad. Did he ever say anything like that at all? Mm -hmm. Um, Nor did my grandmother, nor did my grandfather. Um, There was absolutely no hint of it. And the fact that the family has, through all the generations, had loads of Jewish friends, um, is just just further evidence. But I would certainly have heard within the confines of the family. No,
0: you definitely would have, absolutely. And um, actually, going back to the Ochberg orphans, you, uh, at, uh, I think it was in Renana when you gave the talk in Renana, a gentleman came up to you and said that he was uh, the son of an Ochberg orphan.
1: Absolutely. That, that
0: was quite a moving meeting, wasn't it? it?
1: It was It was closing the loop in certain respects for me, having read about, uh, about the Och- Ochberg orphans. Um, and this gentleman who's now elderly, uh, coming up to me and, and saying that uh, his dad was an, an Ochberg orphan, Um And the grand regret that his father had was that he never knew where he was born. And uh, one of the tragedies of humankind, you know, man's inhumanity to man. I mean, Absolutely. The mind boggles.
0: You know, Benny Penzik uh, uh, contacted me about uh, David Solisandler's books on the Ochberg orphans. And you saw those huge uh, books that Peter Bailey brought me to the airport. I want to actually thank Benny for giving them to me. They were amazing. I think you helped me carry them, actually, didn't you, Philip? So you
1: actually needed a forklift. They, they waited. <laughs> About half a ton, <laughs> but really magnificent volume.
0: Magnificent mm. and illustrated, and and actually they're going to be my holiday read. And then Peter also put a a book in on the life of Isaac Achberg, which I didn't really know much about, and it was called "This Was a Man." It was written by his daughter uh, Bertha Epstein. And uh, also for anyone interested. Please try and get hold of it. It was such an interesting, short, very small book, but of of stuff we never knew about absolutely. After. now you also uh, you had many different things we had we all had lunch together at Adrian uh, Peter's son and daughter-in-law's house. we had um, a drink a coffee at uh, Shira and Jordan, where you met your cousin Jordan there.
1: <laughs> I, I must be honest with you I didn't have coffee. What did you have? I had Jordan had uh, some very nice beer that he set aside for me. <laughs> and he he kept them hidden away so that nobody else could finger them while I was uh, while I was working there. It was <laughs> a, a fantastic evening and You have absolutely delightful children
0: Thank you and they thought the same Of their new cousin Listen Philip I just want to tell you that In your uh, Facebook profile it says Semi-retired Concentrating on beer and golf Maybe Jordan read that About the beer first
1: <laughs> I think you may have Very perceptive man indeed
0: <laughs> Now what actually got you So interested in, in Becoming a director of the foundation of of the Jan Smuts Foundation.
1: Sue, so I think the fact um, one I'd I'd always had an interest, which was carried on to me by my father. My father, um, from from the time that I was a little child, told me about the Obas and Omar and life on the farm. And I think being on the farm, growing up 200 meters away from from Smuts House itself, um, probably assisted in that and 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 made that easier. Um, The fact that it was so close meant that it was an easy place to get to, to attend meetings or to be involved. Um, Then, of course, just just the interest, um, you know, historically and uh, just what a a guy this was and and what a heritage it was uh, and so well worth preserving.
0: And you felt that you needed to preserve it, that it was part of your destiny, did you?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, you now, the, the more one reads, I've got uh, probably 50 books about the Obas at home, maybe a couple more even. Um, and the more one reads about what he did, um, the more astonishing it becomes. And 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 the same threads that come to light, Um the Balfour Declaration. I didn't know about all this until Peter muted the um, I knew in broad terms what it was and I knew in broad terms that the OBAS had, had, um, had played a part in it but Peter Bailey, who's a very astute um, and, and knowledgeable historian he wrote an article called Smuts the, the Anonymous Figure Behind the Balfour Declaration and there have been these types of, of interventions that I've come across um, for so many years where you just don't realize what he did. And, of course, historically in South Africa, politically speaking, um, from 1948 until 1994, the Obos was considered a farrier and a henshopper and a, a treasonist. So um, I think, my, if I remember correctly, the sum total of the Obos in my school history textbooks was about a paragraph and one little ink sketch. Mm. Um, mm. But it didn't tell you anything about the League of Nations, United Nations, um, United Nations the Commonwealth, the Royal Air Force, the South African Air Force, and in case in point right now, Israel. Um, how many people do you know who have a family member who had a huge part in establishing a country? Mm. And I you mean, have. I mean, how is that? Yes, I mean, it boggles my mind. I had nothing to do with it. I am here by happenstance of birth and that alone. But it's in, for me, a thing of enormous pride. Uh, when you go to the uh, Ramach Yohanan or to Israel itself, and you say, wow. My great-grandfather had something to do with this.
0: And there's a forest named after yes. him. There are streets named after yeah. him. It is actually, I think it's an amazing heritage. And um, you also went to the Knesset, didn't you?
1: Yeah, that was a fantastic visit arranged um, by uh, Dr. Alan Weber, uh, who's chairman of the Balfour Centenary Committee. And, of course, my, my management team, in Israel, Peter and Joel and Rob, and we all got into uh, Joel's hybrid <laughs> vehicle and tootled down to uh, to to Jerusalem. Um, I think impression- they're all
0: hybrid uh, vehicles yeah.
1: there. They, um, one impression driving down there, though, is the traffic is astonishing. They've got mm-hmm. this actually astonishing road network. The infrastructure is Astonishing and astounding. But still, traffic wherever you go, you stand still for much of the time. Um, that didn't detract from my enjoyment, though. Um, and we went to the, the Knesset, which was the, um, the Knesset marking the centenary of the Balfour Declaration, um, which is a fascinating day, and met a number of, of fascinating people there. Um, not least of all, um, Helik Bar, the deputy speaker of the Knesset, who um, was part of a roundtable discussion. And when I went up to uh, go and fire up my, my pipe outside, <laughs> um, he came and, uh, and was sitting there, and I went and introduced myself to him, an absolutely charming gentleman. Um, so it was an in, in, enlightening day indeed. Um, the final speech was Lord, Lord Rothschild himself. Um, I think he's the third Lord Rothschild. Um, but they gave the Knesset to Israel, the Rothschild family. And fascinating visit it, it, it really and
0: was. And weren't you mentioned um, somewhere along the line at the Knesset?
1: Well, I, I, I have a small regret there that we were given little translating machines which you hang on your belt and you little um, earplugs, and I'd given mine back in the auditorium and before we went up into the gallery of the of the Knesset itself of the of the chamber, and I was sitting there and um, Helig Bar was doing his thing at one of the mics, and. Uh, I then heard my name and language I didn't understand Hebrew obviously then my name and then a little more that I didn't understand and then Jan Smuts and I thought now I, I, I'm, I'm hallucinating here and I turned around and uh, Beryl and um, Joel and the folks behind me were all extremely excited so I said what did he say? He said I no, just um, mentioned uh, thank me for coming to celebrate the Balfour Declaration in Israel and that I was the great-grandson of, of Jan Smuts. <laughs> and um, I was thinking that it's probably the first time in uh, my family or a uh, family member has been mentioned in a parliament since, since 1948. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're probably quite right. <laughs> you know, talking about uh, your family, mentioning your family, I just wanted to you just say, because I found it very amusing, what did your father...
1: Call the airport. My, my father's quite possessive about family possessions. Um, <laughs> just hang on one moment.
0: Stay relevant and up to date. Hello, this is Sue Jackson on Finding Human and my very amusing guest today is my new cousin, Philip Vales, General Smuts' great-grandson. And uh, you can SMS us on 34519 or WhatsApp us on 62 Philip, just before we go on to your dad and the airport again, I just want to read out some WhatsApps that have come through. One says, I have two close friends whose parents were Ochberg orphans. That's interesting. I'd like to hear about those. Um, And then this says, Hi, Sue and Philip. How wonderful to discover your cousins. Sue, please explain exactly how you're related to the Obos. Hope your voice recovers soon. You're managing well. Well, Good on you love from and I've got a feeling that that's Australia and then this one hi great listening to you very curious has Peter Bailey got a sister Rita who lives in Johannesburg if yes I remember him from Brackpan don't think he knows me you don't give your name but, uh, uh, Philip was from, I mean, Peter was from Brackpan, so I'm quite sure his sister is Rita. And Peter, if you manage to get an uh, SMS or a WhatsApp back to us, we would like to hear. Now, just to go back quickly to my relationship with, uh, with General Smuts, my mum's sister, Daphne uh, Webster, married Jan Smuts's General Smuts' son, Yanni Smuts. So my uncle was Yanni Smuts and Daphne Smuts was my auntie. And uh, all my cousins were the the Smutses, and on that side. And on the other side, the Webster's. Um, Now, um, Philip's auntie was my aunt Daphne as well. And his uncle was my uncle Yanni. And my aunt Daphne was also Philip's godmother. So we are close cousins, Phil. Absolutely. There you are. Now go back to your dad in Jan Smuts Airport.
1: See, it, um, my father Please used to see. call Jan Smuts the family airport. <laughs> um, he also referred to the Royal Air Force as the elder family air force and the South African Air Force as the younger family air force. And now, of course, we've got um, a family kibbutz.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and a forest,
1: and a forest. Don't forget the and forest, and a couple of roads.
0: Yeah, and then you also just going back to Israel. How did what did you, what was your first impression? Was your first visit ever? It's a new, in relative standards, it's a it's a new country, seventy years old, and um, uh, what did you actually think about that?
1: I found it absolutely fascinating. The The contrast between a a 2,500-year-old excavation of a city um, on the one hand and within a 10-minute drive, um, some of the highest-tech operations uh, on Earth. Um, I think Israel had the opportunity to to learn from the mistakes of so many countries around the world, but that they are pound-for-pound the most dynamic uh, nation on Earth for me is without doubt. Um, there are more startups in Israel than any other country in the world. Mm. Israel are the foremost drone specialists and developers in the world. The technology that the Americans use, they get from Israel. Um, there's just so much, um, so much going on there, and there are such super achievers. Uh, if you count the, the the number of Jewish Nobel Prize winners across the board of the last decade, um, the Jews punch. So far above their weight, it is mind-boggling. Then these guys just go for it, and they've obviously got got what it takes. But it takes a lot of drive to do it as well. So, but Israel was a land of, of great contrast for me. Um, the, the, the road network is, is fantastic. Um, I love the way that they are revamping the apartment buildings. Uh, that to me is just so clever. Where, when the, to cope with the rush of of immigrants, they built these four and five-story apartment blocks. Um, which obviously are now are old, so to get them uh, jacked up, um, they get a contractor in who refurbs the entire building, and at no cost to the tenants, and then builds a two of a, a, a floor two or three above. Uh, the the existing floors, and those are his to do with as he pleases he can sell them, he can rent them, he can do whatever he likes Um, and that is where he gets his money Mm -hmm. so clever, so innovative I don't think it happens anywhere in the world (laughs) you know, here we'd break it down and start from scratch Um, but that is just so innovative and and it's thinking out of the box which is why they're as, uh, as advanced as they are
0: I must admit, I have to agree with you I'm always staggered when I drive through Israel and let's face it; it's the size of, of um, Kruger National Park, but you drive through and you see so so many varying varying uh, scenarios and sceneries, and it's just it's mind boggling what has been done agriculturally, um, as you say, educationally. It's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Medically.
1: It, see, Sue. The one thing that that I find very saddening is that. Um, Israel is for many the world's whipping boy. Um, whatever they do um, will never be right. Um, there's a story that um, that Joel sent me about a Syrian – a bunch of Syrian women and little babies who are crossing the border into Israel um, to get medical care for their children. That will never make the airwaves. Mm-hmm. It will never hit a newspaper page um, – and that to me is sad. what will be concentrated on is what poli- is politically correct i 'm not i 'm not saying the no one 's right and the other's wrong i 'm I'm not a politician, but to automatically assume that whatever Israel does is wrong and to publicize what is perceived as being wrong by Israel but not to highlight occasionally even the good things that Israel does and there's so many of those Mm. Um, the fact that Israel were very keen on assisting Cape Town with their current water problem long before the water problem became a problem
0: Yes, exactly. Um, and Cape
1: Town decided they'd rather not do that based on the fact that they were Israelis who were Mm. offering that I mean that is cutting off one's nose really um it just, it just Despite makes no sense to me Absolutely makes no sense
0: Well we won't get into that right now But I, what I want to know also from you I know that you went to back Protea The old age home that Yes uh, And you were stunned by it weren't you And I think you went with Lynette uh, Karp And and with Rob Hyde
1: Yes um, it, it was Hello
0: to both of you, of you listening in to us
1: It was a fascinating evening Peter Bailey's cousin was exhibiting at an art exhibition oh. um, and that was the, um, uh, the the event as it happened um, and Pete and Jeannie asked me if I'd like to go along. I said yeah I'd be fascinated yeah um, what an astonishing facility uh, built by South Africans aimed at South Africans but not ex- exclusive to South Africans so you don't have to be South African uh, to, to, uh, to be resident there um, but normal rooms high care um, it is just the most astonishing place there's Below ground level, there's an enormous swimming pool. I mean, I think the ramp for the wheelchairs to get into the pool is about 400 meters long. It's <laughs> just a most astonishing facility, beautifully maintained. Um, major benefactor there was uh, Eric Sampson from, from Max Steel, whom oh, yes. I've met on the odd occasion. Um, I just think it's so fantastic that, uh, that, that the South African Jewish community have played such a role in, in Israel and continue to do so.
0: And also, I, what I've always found incredibly interesting is how the Jews look after their own, without doubt, and still reach out to others. It is part of what's called tikkun olim, of reaching out to others. It's, it's part of the tradition. It's part of who, you, who, you know, we actually are. Now, um, I wanted to also know from you, you spent a, 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 a night at a religious kibbutz. Yes With Peter's, um, with Peter's son uh, Hayden
1: Yes indeed I was invited um, by Hayden to go and spend the night with him um, At a kibbutz called Sede Eliyahu mm-hmm. um, which, is, which is very interesting indeed It's a religious kibbutz um, Hayden and his wife Heather were extremely charming hosts And the following morning Long before the sparrows wiped their eyes
0: We've just got to break again.
1: A frequency like no other. 101.9 High FM.
0: Hello, this is Sue Jackson with Philip Bayers, my new cousin. Well, not such a new cousin, but he's certainly younger than me, and he's a great cousin to have. And he's great, a great-grandson of General Smuts's. And we have had fun talking, but there's so much still to say. But um, I just wanted to just go uh, back again just to the, the kibbutz, the religious kibbutz. Just finish that. And then I think you would also like to say a few things, Philip, before we
1: end. Thanks, Sue. Um, Sedi Eliyahu is a religious kibbutz. Um, and it's very interesting because it's got an oil drilling machine on, on it, They're drilling foil as um, also we saw a rather large snake, Hayden and I, when he was taking me on the tour of, of the kibbutz. Fascinating place. They um, have another world first, which is a thing that they call Sterile Insect Technique, S-I-T, where they breed um, insects to sort out pests amongst crops all around the world. So they will um, they'll, they'll breed, for example, uh, some other uh, fly, or, and send they'll in, send these across the world, to in, be introduced to a crop, and they are all neutered, so they um, they can't reproduce, and they sort out the pest problem with, with no consequence to. There's no pesticides, there's nothing like that. What um,
0: innovation! Um, yeah. That's amazing.
1: Apart from olives and lychees and all the sort of, and fish farming and chicken and dairy. It really is quite really is quite Gee an undertaking but a fantastic place no, very interesting indeed, and really grateful to Hayden and, uh, and Heather for being so gracious her, such gracious host to me
0: and so you you really enjoyed it and now I know Shira actually said to you uh, Philip are you going to come back as a and come and do a Christian tour and see all the holy sites, which are so beautiful and beautifully kept and very moving? I've been to a lot of them myself, and and you can you can really feel a sense of of holiness there.
1: Well, I'd love to. Um, it's it's what I've been taught uh, and heard about all my life, um, and to see it in in the flesh would be very really special. So I'd love mm. to go back and certainly do that and go and see all my, my friends in Hoddle, Sharon and Ranana.
0: Yeah, I think they would And go like and
1: visit to. my cousins,
0: Sheila Sharon and Jordan. <laughs> and, yeah, that would be lovely. Now, you wanted to say a few words.
1: I just wanted to express my sincere thanks to to Peter and Joel, uh, well, Peter and Jeannie and Joel and Beryl and uh, Rob and Joel, and Eric, um, Bhatia, Doron, Diana, for putting this all together, um, it is, it has been a, it was an absolutely glorious experience, and, um, that I was given the opportunity to talk about the Obas was a, a huge honor, uh, and without them, it would not have been possible. They were the most extraordinarily gracious and generous hosts, um, and I'm just, I will be forever grateful. It was a wonderful experience, and, um, Certainly one that I will treasure. And as I say, I'm, I'm just profoundly grateful to them all. They're wonderful people. Um, and I I will certainly look them up on my next visit again.
0: I must admit I'm looking forward myself to seeing them again when I'm there, hopefully in January. Peter, uh, I would like on my show in February, if I'm in South Africa at the time, um, because I want to have him. He's coming out here on his book, The uh, Streets of Israel, which is an incredibly interesting book. The uh, why, how the streets got their names. So I wanted Peter on my show and, and, um, Benny uh, Penzik, definitely. I also want to have on my show to discuss the Achberg Orphans. But that, of course, will all be uh, next year. We're coming to an end this year. And, um, I would just like to thank you so much for for being here, Philip, for actually getting to know you it's been fun, it really has, and I think we will be keeping up with this connection.
1: no doubt uh, about that and I'm, it's been a privilege to have been here and a great pleasure thank you so much sue
0: and then I also want to say thank you to to philip uh, to Peter and Jeannie and to uh, rob and and beryl and um Gillian and Joel, and uh, and just to say, you know, really I enjoyed meeting you all and we all had a lot of fun together and also just finding all our connections, which we will just be discussing. Next week's program, I have Rabbi um, Alon Joseph on my, my show. A few weeks ago, we did a program, we did a podcast actually on time and got incredible feedback from it. And we will be doing another one on the perception of time and how time does change with our perception of it. Um, and that will be next week. Um, I'm still waiting to hear from Peter, but we haven't. But for those for uh, whoever wanted to know if, if uh, Peter's got the sister, Rita, uh, I should imagine he has because it's in Brackpan. Um, what are your plans for the future before we end?
1: So hopefully, um, to ease ease back a little bit, um, and in due course follow my family to Australia, and they're all um, immigrating there. Well, my son-in-law, uh, daughter, and my grandson—they're um, in Brisbane. Now my son-in-law flies for Qantas. Um, and you just
0: had your grandson here and had great fun. I've still with got him here. Thank you. Oh, oh,
1: uh, he just gives me such a rev. He's—he's uh, he's nothing like it, and I do mm-hmm. not want to. I do not want I want to be there when Wally grows up. Mm. And there's nothing more important to me. Absolutely nothing. So
0: even if that means that you have to leave this country you will go.
1: I will do that. Mm. And it's not that difficult to mm. get from, from Australia to Israel. You just go you can't go via Saudi because they won't let you into Israel then. <laughs> 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 but there are ways to get there. There
0: are ways to get there. And enjoy it. And for your future, Philip just Go with God and go safely.
1: Thank you, Sue. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much, Craig.